Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go to the book of uh, John chapter 8 today. John chapter 8. We want to continue with what we've been looking at on Sunday mornings uh, on this subject of don't believe the lie. A number of weeks ago, uh, uh, Michelle and I returned back home and I was asking the Lord and seeking the Lord about what to minister. And he said, don't believe the lie. Uh, now, you can, uh, of course, in, in the, the, the uh, atmosphere that we live in in the world today, uh, it seems like all you hear is deception. And, and if you're not cautious, you'll think that's all there is. But uh, obviously, the truth is there, and the truth is winning. But uh, our job as believers is don't believe the lie. All right? The devil is what he is just as much as, what God, as God is what he is. All right? Uh, he's not obviously equal with God. He, that's impossible, but he's just as much what he is as God is what he is. God is unchangeable. God cannot lie. God is 100% love and mercy and, and compassion that God will never change. But the devil is 100% liar and 100% murderer and 100% deceiver. He will never change. And he will never change because he doesn't want to change. He has no desire to change. When, when Satan, uh, Lucifer sinned in the beginning, he sinned of his own volition. No one tempted him to. There wasn't anyone telling him to look at how beautiful he was and become prideful. He began to observe himself and think, boy, I'm really all of that. And, and he sinned of his own volition. He will never, ever, he doesn't even want to admit that Jesus defeated him. He's so prideful he won't admit it. The Bible says in the book of 1 John, every spirit that admits or declares that Jesus has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that won't, won't say that is of the devil. Well, he's not going to say that because that would be to admit his defeat. He is is not going to admit he's defeated until he's made to bow the knee and made to declare that Jesus is Lord. But one day, that day's coming. When everybody's going to see it. But by the the finished work of Calvary, that day is already there for you and I. He is already defeated by the blood of Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to you and I, and we have authority over him. So you can't believe the lie. Hallelujah. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus made this statement, and he was, of course, speaking to... uh, Some people that did not believe in him, did not believe. He said that his word had no place in them. And he said, you are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Now that that word abode will throw you off a little bit because it's like it's all in the past tense. It's a present tense word in the Greek. 
In other words, he, he, he does not any longer abide in the truth. That, that tells you about his mental mindset. One day, one time he was in the truth, but he didn't stay there. And he's not there now. He didn't abide in the truth, he doesn't abide there now. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. He is a liar and the father of it. One translation says at his core, he's a liar. Everything he speaks originates in lies. Another translation says when he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature. Because he is a liar. Oh, hallelujah. So, Satan doesn't just lie. He is a liar. And at his core, at his nature, he's a liar. He's the father of lies. When I was looking at this, I found, I found something out. That this means he's not tempted to lie by an outward source. The devil is not tempted to lie by something outside. The only thing he possesses is lies. He just lies. When he's talking, he's lying. Have you ever known somebody like that? That they just lied. I mean, they weren't trying to hide anything. They weren't trying, they weren't, they weren't trying to get anything. They just lied. I mean, if you caught a bass this long, they caught one this long. I mean, and, and it was a lie. It was just a lie. And they just lied. See, that's a liar. I don't, I don't know that there's anyone in here that hasn't lied. Don't raise your hand. But the, but the point is, now, now understand what I'm saying when I say this. If you were tempted to lie and you lied, that doesn't make you a liar. It means you told a lie. The devil is a liar. He, he has no truth. This is important where, where this is concerned. Because John 17, 17 says the word is truth. Everything the word says is truth. Everything the devil says is a lie. He might speak something that's true, but towards the end of deceiving you and getting victory over you. Your enemy is a liar. Oh, hallelujah. This is important. Now notice, he also said that he was a murderer from the beginning. Now, that's not, I've heard people say, well, that's a reference to Cain. It's not so much a reference to Cain as it is the entire human race. From the beginning, he was a murderer. From the beginning, from the beginning, his desire was to destroy those that were created in the image of God. The devil doesn't just hate Christians, he hates humanity. He hates humanity because humanity is created in the image of God. I've heard people say, you know, when that sinner died, you know, he was a very great sinner. I bet the devil missed him. No, he didn't. He, di he didn't care. It didn't matter. Because he doesn't love anyone but himself or care about anyone but himself. Now, I'm expounding on this for a reason. If I don't know, if I don't know the traits and the tactics of my enemy, I'm easily defeated. To, to know my enemy is to get a foothold of victory. He is a liar. Everything he says is a lie. 
Hallelujah. John 10, 10. In John 10, 10, a very familiar verse. But I, 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 I want you to see this. Jesus said concerning the thief, he said, the thief does not come or cometh not, the King James says, but for or except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus, of course, said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. But notice, this is the only reason he comes around, is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And how does he get to the place where he can steal, kill, and destroy? He lies. He lies. He lies his way into the circumstance, and now he's in a position to steal and kill and destroy. Amen. That there, there are people, listen, I was raised Pentecostal, and we were raised, and, and I'm still Pentecostal, but I was raised, we were raised, we loved the Lord. We loved the things of God. We loved God. We loved His Word. But we had this issue that everything was God's will. No matter what happened, it was God's will. Amen. We were legalistic and fatalistic. Or legalistically fatalistic. However you want to say it. If, if it, if it, we wouldn't have called ourselves Calvinists, but we believed a lot of that. If it happened, it was God's will. God must be teaching me something. I traveled with a singing group for a while and played the drums with them. And, and one night, one of the guys was out, you know, and, and us southern, you know, southern gospel groups, they never had a bus that was worth anything. <laughs> you know, amen. And so, and so they'd say, what kind of bus you got? Oh, we, we got a Silver Eagle. It was new about 40 years before. But uh, 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 he was out getting loading some stuff up after after we'd had a service and it was in the middle of winter in Kentucky and we had those bay doors opened on the bus and he went out to load something in the bus and he didn't come back and so we waited and waited and finally we went out and he was laying by the bus knocked out well one of those bay doors had come undone and came down and hit him in the back of the head and knocked him out laid him out it's kind of funny once we found out he wasn't dead, but man, we, we pulled him up and got him, set him on the altar, and you know, we're praying over him, and, and, and finally he woke up and had a big knot on his head, and he looked up at the pastor and said, whew, Lord's trying to teach me something. Now, I was even smart enough to say, yeah, and it's this, don't stick your head under that worn out door. Well, that wasn't God. God's not going around knocking people in the head, right? Well, where does that come from? Somewhere, somewhere in the theology, the devil lied to somebody and said, if bad things happen, it's God teaching you a lesson and you just accept it. Is that right? And, and what was the end? To, to get in there and destroy lives. Don't believe the lie. I say, don't believe the lie. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Oh, hallelujah. This is so important. What, 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 whatever occurs, I, I believe what's in, 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 in between the covers of this book. Because this is true. Amen. So, he'll work to this end in the life of whoever will believe the lie. Whoever will believe the lie. In Genesis chapter 3, I want to 
set this up for us today. Genesis chapter 3 and uh, verse 1. He says, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Notice how he comes. Has God said? Did God really say? Did God really say he'd meet all your needs? Did God really say it's his will to heal every time? Did God, see, that's, that's, he's a liar So he's not going to directly confront the truth. He's going to come and try to get you to question it. Has God said? It's a little oversimplified to say he knew God said. He did know God said, but his job is to try to uproot the word. If the devil can't uproot the word in your life, he has no hope of defeating you. Because the word is how he's defeated. Oh, glory to God. So notice, has God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said, we may eat of the, fruit, uh, of, the, of the trees of the garden, of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said, you shall not surely die. That's a lie. Now we read this on the other end, and, and we can pick that out. But that's a lie. God said, you will die. He said, you won't die. That's a lie. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, you might not make it. God said, you'll always overcome. Is that right? He he said, this is going to happen. But God said that you are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. He said, when you see all these things going on, the apostle Paul said, what do you say to all these things? If God is for me, Who can be against me? I I love that. Because it's like Paul's holding up a list of everything that you could go through. And he's saying, what do you say to this? Here's what you say. If God is for me, and he is, who can possibly be against me? And And that's what you answer the lie with. Wait a minute. God's for me. And if God's for me, no one can be against me. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. I found in the Greek, he's saying this, name him. If if God's for you, just come up with somebody that can possibly hold out against God. Nobody. Amen. Glory to God. So notice, he said, you will not surely die. And then verse 7, of course, she took the fruit and ate. And verse 7 says, the eyes of them both were open." They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. But God had told Adam in Genesis 2, he said, the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he said, you're going to die. The Hebrew says, in dying, you will die. You'll die spiritually, and then you'll die physically. So we see the two predominant aspects of Satan's nature right here, lying and, and murder. In dying, you will die. This was premeditated. This was, he came into that garden with that in mind. I'm going to lie, and I'm going to destroy him. Amen. 
See, that's, that's, why, that's why there are people that, that kind of think if they just don't mess with the devil, he won't mess with them. Pastor Michelle and I were talking to a young lady one time that will tell you she's a Christian and believes the word. But if you start talking about the devil, she would say, oh, I don't talk about the devil. I don't talk about the devil. He just won't mess with me. The devil is crazy. He's crazy. He's a liar. He's a murderer. He, he, He doesn't leave people alone because they don't put too much pressure on him. This is what he does. Amen. That's what he does. He came into that garden because he hates the people of God. He hates people created in the image of God. And his job in his mind was to try to destroy them, which he did. Amen. Glory to God. But notice how he came. Satan's attack on the man and the woman was to what? Get him to disobey God. In order to do that, he had to discredit God's word. He had to to discredit the word. Has God said? That's not not what's going to happen. God knows knows the minute that you eat, you're going to be wise. You're going to know. No, he, he was discrediting God's word. This is not just the final authority in your life. This is the authority in your life, the word of God. He came to discredit the word. The attack was on the word. He attacked what God said. He made what they could see seem more appealing than what God had said. Well, God knows if you eat of that tree, you're going to be wise. You're going to be like him. Well, but God had already said, I don't want you to eat of that tree so you can live. What God said had to be more appealing than what they could see. Hallelujah. There is no better way than the Word. There there is no easier way than the Word. You've got to stand for the Word. You've got to stand with the Word. There's the pressure that comes from the stand, but what comes out of the stand is always the victory. And there, there is no better way than the Word. You have to be able to stand. The Word gives you strength. I've talked to pastors over the years, and they would tell me, I don't know, I just don't know if I can go on. Brother, you've got to stand. You've got to be able to stand. Ever what comes, you've got to be able to stand. If the finances look like they're not what they should be, you've got to stand. It's not just money, it's can you stand. If you can stand with the Word of God, you will always overcome and you will always walk out of the other side victorious, but you got to be able to stand. Jesus said in Luke 14 that you got to sit down and you got to count the cost. And that's not just finances. That's that's where your faith is concerned. That's where your your, uh, determination is concerned. That's where your spiritual guts are concerned. Am I able to just stand and make this thing come to pass? Oh, hallelujah. The Word gives the strength to stand. The Word gives the strength to stand. He attacked, Satan attacked what God said. He's uprooting the Word. He's trying to uproot the Word of God. Every attack against your life is ultimately an attack on the Word of God. It comes to counter the Word of God. 
Hallelujah. That's, we won't go there, but that's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, he said, the sower sows the word. And then he said in the next verse, these are they that where the word is sown, once they have heard, then Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. That, that's not saying that has to happen. It's saying that's the process. You hear the word and the enemy tries to take the word. But I can, I can hold on to the word because the Bible says in Mark 4 that there was a group of people that held on to the word and it produced fruit in their life. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. That's you. You don't let go of the word. You hold on to the word. Glory be to God. Amen. And he did this, he, he did this knowing that it would result in their death. That when they believed that, they would die. Now had they held on to the word, there would have been nothing Satan could have done. Nothing. Why? Because the shield of faith quenches every fiery dart of the wicked. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Had they held on to the word, there would have been nothing the devil could have done. To get to the man, Satan has to get to the word that sustains the man. To get you, he's got to get the word. And that's why I notice in Proverbs 4, Proverbs chapter 4, I told Michelle, I said, you know, I, I know some of this sounds simple. But it's, it's what is needed, it's what is needed in our interactions with the enemy and just our daily life. It's what you believe about the word that's going to determine your outcome. What, what do you believe about the word? You know, there are people that believe that, 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 that this is the Holy Bible. There are people that believe it's a sacred book. But then there are people that get results, and those are the people that believe it's truth. This is truth. John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them through your word. Your word is truth. I remember the day I found that verse. It revolutionized my life. I put my left hand on that verse, and I raised my right hand to the Lord. And I said, from this day forward, I choose to believe that every word in this book is absolute truth. I was raised in church. I was raised in church, and I don't know that I ever heard anybody tell me this was absolute truth. It seemed like it was changeable. It seemed like that God wrote one thing, but he could mean another thing. But, but if he did, then he's at best, at best, he's inconsistent. At worst, a liar. Well, we know God cannot lie. What he has said is his nature. What he has said is, is what he will do. I've had people say, well, you never know what God will do. Yes, open up the book and you'll see what God will do. God, do you understand what I'm saying? God can be, one day the Lord spoke to me. Michelle and I were believing God for some things. And I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I, I, I need to know how this is going to work out. And he said this to me. He said, Philip, I can be predicted to do exactly what I said in my word. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and I wouldn't say it to certain people, but that tells me something. God is predictable. I can predict what God's going to do by what His Word says. I don't say that flippantly, 
But I, I should be able to know the end. Remember Paul? He said, here's what I know. The end of this will be for your good. Right? You're, you're coming out of this. He wrote in, Roma, in Romans, and he, and he made this statement. He said, as you pray in the Holy Spirit, what's the result? All things work together for the good. Is that right? The end result of praying in the Holy Spirit is all things are working together for your good. So if you're believing God for something, you've been praying in the Spirit about it, guess what's going to happen? It's all going to work together for your good because the Word said that's the truth. You never go to prayer and do not receive what God said you could receive. Don't believe the lie. There's not three answers to prayer. Yes, no, and wait. Or yes, no, and maybe. And yes, no, and double no. He said you ask and you will receive. You seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He'll do it for you. You ask the Father and I'll do it. See, I've got to go with the understanding that this is, this is, the Word of God is not just supposed to be read, it's supposed to be prayed. You take the Word to your place of prayer, and you say, Father, I'm coming on the basis of your Word, and I believe what you say right here, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. When, when I read Ephesians 2.10, and it says, it says that God foreordained the paths that we should walk in, and the Amplified Bible says that, that, that he set things up and planned it beforehand. I found out I have a plan. I have a plan for my life. There's a plan for the ministry. And, and, and when there's a need, I go to God and I say, Father, none of this caught you off guard. And it's all in the plan. It's all in your plan. Everything I need is in your plan. Everything I need is in your plan. God did not plan your life to the minute detail that he did and then not plan to give you everything you need to live that life out God didn't call you into the ministry to leave you ran aground God called you God appointed you God provided for you it's there in the plan oh hallelujah oh hallelujah glory to God thank you Lord do, 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 do you see that so the end result is you're working the word, you're going to get word results. If I'm working the word, I'm going to get word results. There's people in here believing to be debt free. You believe God wants you to be debt free. You've put your seed in the ground. You're believing God. You're calling that debt freedom. You're, you're declaring that it's coming to you. Well, according to the word of God, you have given, so it's going to be given to you. And it's going to be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. How, everybody's not believing for debt freedom. But if you are, don't let your faith up off of that. Glory to God. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 22. It says, uh, concerning what verse 20, we should begin. My son, attend to my words. In, incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Now notice, first of all, everything he said there is an action I have to take. Is that right? Attend to my words. Give attention to it. Incline your ear. It means to bend the ear. I know about bending the ear because my mother was a master ear bender. Whew. Hallelujah. 
I mean, she'd grab right a hold of you. If, you. if you were goofing off, she'd come up behind you and just grab that ear. Amen. Somebody told me I got big ears. I said, you didn't have my mama. If you had my mama, you'd have had big ears too. Oh, she would whip you, switch you. My mother, my mother liked to dress me like John Kennedy Jr. I had the haircut, and she dressed me in those little short bib overalls with shorts. What are y'all laughing at? And Buster Brown shoes. And I would sit on the front row. Well, Dad was an evangelist, and Mom would be preaching. My mother preached with a switch. And if you got to acting up on the front row, she'd just come and nettle your leg. I know y'all don't know anything about nettling of legs. Woo! And then, and then you were threatened before you went in church that if you got a whipping, you better not cry. You better not make a sound. So you just had to sit there and, ooh. I know about bending the ear. And, and then here's the bad part. Then you got home and you got another whipping for getting a whipping. I don't know. Pray for mama. Or me. Then he said, don't let them depart. Notice, so they can. You don't let them. The word, the, the word doesn't just leak off. I have to let it. Right? The, the word you deposited in your heart yesterday must be replenished today. And it has to be replenished tomorrow. That, that's my job, is keep the word going in my heart. Now that sounds elementary, but there are people, you'll see them, they'll be believing God for something, and they're just in the word, 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 in the word. And then that thing comes to pass, and they back off. Every time you back off, then it takes a certain amount of, of inertia and a certain amount of momentum to get you back where you need to be. You've got to be able to do things quickly with your faith. And the only way you can do things quickly with your faith is to keep that level of word built up on the inside of you. Oh, glory to God. So he said, notice, uh, keep them in the middle of your heart. Keep them in your core. Keep them in your center. The, 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 one of the keys in, in your life for longevity is your core, your, your center. Amen. It, because it, 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 it covers so much. It covers your back. It covers your, your, your legs. If you've got a weak core, other parts of your body are overworking. Hallelujah. He says keep the word in your core. Keep it in the center of you. And then notice, why? For they are life unto those that find them and health or medicine to all their flesh. Oh, glory to God. So the word imparts life to those that find it. Then we're told to guard our hearts, which is where we deposit the word. Guard your word deposit. The, the book of Proverbs, you don't have to go there, Proverbs 16, 23, says the heart teaches the mouth. If I've got my heart full of the word of God, my heart, my spirit will teach me what to say. I will have something to be able to say. 
Because I put the word in my heart. No word in my heart, there's nothing to draw on with my mouth. If I don't have it in my heart, I don't have anything to draw on with my mouth. But when it's in my heart, I remember Pastor Michelle and I, our youngest, uh, well, used to be our youngest daughter, our, uh, our third daughter, second daughter, Angela was born. And she uh, was born, and when she was born, there were some issues, uh, trauma that, that she had experienced. And we didn't know in the beginning exactly what it was. The doctor said it could be uh, a heart condition. Uh, we don't know. We'll just have to find out. But she was in ICU and, and couldn't breathe and all these different things. Well, here's the thing. Uh, sometime before that, I'd gotten a tape series by Brother Copeland called Establishing Your Heart on the Word of God. It was from the London Victory Campaign. And it was, it was like eight tapes on just Psalm 112. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Well, we were in the process of moving from Nashville to Kansas City. And so she left a week early, and I didn't have anybody at home with me, so I was just listening to those tapes night and day, uh, establishing my heart on the Word of God. And uh, so we, we got to Kansas City, and long story short, a couple months, uh, uh, you know, uh, we, we were there about nine months. Of course, it was time for the, the baby to be born. And, and this event occurred. I'll never forget, the doctor came in and said, we don't know what's wrong. Uh, you know, it's a grave situation. And she walked out the door. And I remember my wife grabbed my hand. And we looked at each other and she said, Philip, my heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord. And I said, so is mine. I, I forget exactly what time of night it was, doesn't matter. But, uh, I, I, you know, I said, do, do you want me to see if, if there's uh, any, you know, anything on TV, ministers or anything you want to you see? And so we turned on the TV, and God is my witness. The TV came on, and there sat Brother Copeland with Miss Gloria at their prayer cabin, and he pointed his finger in the camera, and he said, whatever you're going through, your heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We, I had a guy get mad at me one time in my church. He said, you're partners with Ken Copeland. I said, yes, I am. He said, I'm leaving the church. And he looked at me and I said, bye. Well, why'd you say that? Be because, listen, it was not that guy that ministered the word to me that ultimately saved my child's life. When, when, when we needed help in the worst sort of way, it, you understand what I'm saying? It was the Word of God that was in our heart that, that was ministered into our spirits. It's, it's what you store up in your heart that's going to be used in those times of, of trouble, those times, those issues that arise. Things show up sometimes that, that you don't know are coming, that you're not ready for in the natural. But the Word shows up. The Word answers the door. The Word is always there. The Word is always alive and quick and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. They told me, they said it'll be a number of weeks until you're, you're they, they said something like three weeks, 21 days, till your, your daughter is, is mended. And uh, I worked, at that time I worked in the corporate world, I worked at Blue Cross Blue Shield, and I was just across the, the plaza there in Kansas City from Children's Mercy in the ICU. But when I was up there, and, and the doctors, man, they had it all lined out on the wall. They had everything that was going on. They, they were a crack team. And I told them how much I appreciated their help and appreciated what they were saying. 
And you know, I didn't make any bold declaration to them. I knew what I believed. And I looked over, and there was my daughter under those, those lights, you know, and, and she was just struggling to breathe, and, and every breath, she, her little body was quaking. And, and I was finally able to touch her, and I just went over and laid hands on her. And I said, Father, our heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. I thank you for healing my daughter, repairing whatever's wrong in the name of Jesus. Well, when, when, when that whole ordeal started, she was on like uh, 40% room oxygen, 60% ventilator, all right? Because she was only breathing with one lung. They found out she had a punctured lung. And uh, they told me it'd be, you know, 21 days, three weeks, something like that. And uh, every day I came up, every day I came up, they would say, hey, the oxygen level's up. And like the, the, the third day, she was at like 60%. 40%, 60% breathing on her own, 40% on the ventilator. On Friday, seven days, seven days on a Friday, I was up there visiting her on my lunch hour, and uh, I was standing there, and the doctor, the head doctor was coming around, and he had the interns, you know, training doctors, and he stopped. He had never met me, but he stopped at, at our bassinet, and he said, are you her father? I said, yes, I am. And he turned around, God is my witness, he turned around and told all those those doctors in training he said this is our miracle baby he said she healed herself we didn't do anything and I said no she didn't heal herself the word of God healed her well here here's my point you know the word just came up out of us it wasn't anything we had to try to do it wasn't anything we had to work up it was there it was in there in such an abundance that when the situation put pressure on us, it wasn't doubt and fear and unbelief that came out. It was the word that came out. And the word came out and immediately started turning the situation. When you let the word come out of your mouth, it immediately starts turning the situation. I just stopped by today to tell you your circumstance is turning in the name of Jesus because the word is working. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I heard somebody say the other day, you know, miracles are transferable. I don't believe that in the sense of what people are saying. I, I, I don't believe that just because I got a miracle, I can transfer it into your life. Miracles are something that you can't explain and something that, 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 that is beyond the human conception, but they are still borne along by the Word of God. They are still borne along about what you believe. You've got to believe God can. You've got to believe God will. You've got to believe that your answer is in the Word of God. Hallelujah. And then you're living a life of miracles. Glory be to God. Whew. I've done it. I've preached myself happy. <laughs> Amen. Look, 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 look at John 6. John chapter 6. I love the Lord. We, we know. We know. That the change will occur because you have, having the word in your heart in abundance gives you confidence. There's confidence. I, I just know. I, I just know because the word is in my heart in abundance. When, when, when the word is not there in abundance, there's room, there's room for question. There's room for doubt. There's room for is it really going to happen? But when the word's there in abundance, 
Brother Hagin used to say this. He would say that he would be believing God for something, and he would say, I would get to the point where it was just, it felt like it was impossible for me to doubt. Now, I know, I know that that feeling may not accompany everything, but if your heart is full of the Word of God, and you let the Word of God come out in every circumstance, that thing will turn. That thing will turn. It'll change. John chapter 6, verse 63. A familiar verse, but notice Jesus said, It's the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profits nothing. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. Oh, hallelujah. So the Spirit produces life. The flesh is of no profit in a spiritual battle. Spirit words that produce spirit life. Hallelujah. But the natural realm is of no help in, in circumstances. I've had people say, well, what do you believe about this? They're saying this and they're saying that. That's not my flow. That's, that's a flesh flow. We've got to stay in the spirit flow. Amen. Well, what do you think is going to happen here? And what do you think is going to happen over here? Well, I'm not, I'm not going to get over in the question realm. I'm going to stay with what I know. And, and what I know is what the Word of God has to say. I've had people say, well, I've been to the doctor, and the doctor doesn't know what's wrong with me. Well, they don't need to know what's wrong for you, with you for you to be healed. By the time they figure it out, you can be well. Amen. Second, you don't have to go there, but 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Then it says this, but mighty. So that means that mighty carnal weapons are not mighty. Our weapons are mighty, carnal, fleshly. One translation says of John 6, 63, the flesh is not of any use at all. The words which I have spoken to you, spirit are they, and life. The word of God is the voice of the Holy Spirit. This is what was spoken by the Holy Spirit. I know the Holy Spirit speaks to your spirit and speaks to your heart, but these are the words of the Holy Spirit recorded from God's mouth. The Holy Spirit recorded the word to free it from error. The, the word is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Every word of God is infused with spirit life. Every word of God is infused with wisdom and overcoming ability. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All Scripture is God-breathed. And then it says, and it is profitable. Oh, glory to God. And I know it says, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. But notice, it, it makes that statement, the word that is God-breathed is profitable. It'll profit you. Whatever you're dealing with, it will profit you. If, 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 you're, if you're declaring the word over your body, your body is profiting right now. You're, amen. Your health is speedily returning. Hallelujah. Why? The spirit life of 1 Peter 2.24 is flowing through your body, driving out sickness, driving out disease, and effecting a cure in the name of Jesus. Why? Because it's spirit life. Amen. Glory to God. It's, 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 it's impacting your financial situation. It's impacting your family situation. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Don't, don't ever give up hope. The Bible says God is the God of all hope. The Bible produces hope. When Abraham had no natural hope, he went to God's word and got him some more hope. He just stayed with what God said. The, the Bible uses those two words hope in Romans 4. That when, uh, It says against hope. He believed in hope. The one word hope, it's the same word in the English, but the one word hope means a, 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 a expectation of, of bad, an expectation basically of failure. But the other word hope means a constant, consistent expectation of good. When there was no reason to expect anything good, Abraham went to what God said and received a reason to expect what was good. Hallelujah. What you're expecting is based on what is in your heart. I'm expecting great things. You're expecting great things. When the enemy, and what is the enemy? He's a liar. And so when he comes and he says your family's never going to be saved, you got to let the word come out of your mouth that says I have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and I am saved and my household will be saved. God will contend with them that contend with me and he will save my children. I'll refrain my voice from weeping and my eyes from tears for there's hope in my latter end, says God, that my children will return again from the land of the enemy. They will be at peace and they will not be discomfited. That, that's got to come out of my mouth. Oh, hallelujah. But you don't know what my son's doing. It doesn't matter what your son is doing. It doesn't matter what your daughter is doing. The Word of God is working right now in that circumstance. You put your faith in what you have said and not in what they are doing. Oh, hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Lord. That, 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 that's so important. That's so important. Hallelujah. There, there is no defeat to the man who will make the word his source. None. I remember Pastor Michelle and I, we were, God was talking to us years ago, close to 30 years ago now, uh, 29, because it was the first year we were married. We'll be married 29 years next month, and God's good to us. But here's the point. We, we knew what God wanted us to do. I knew I had a call of God on my life. I'd been walking in it in a measure most of my life. I was born again when I was eight. Now, that didn't mean I was perfect and didn't make some mistakes. I did. But, uh, you know, one person asked, how would you all meet up? You've been in church your whole life, and she was never in church most of her life. And now here you are. Well, it's God. Amen. But uh, we knew what God wanted us to do. And we were sitting down talking with a couple. And sharing what God wanted. And they were, they were family members of, of mine. And boy, they just got irate. Because we were saying what God was going to do. And what we believed God wanted to do. And what we were going to press into. And they looked at me and they said, who do you think you are? And they made the statement. They said, you've always been the bottom of the barrel in this family. And you'll always be the bottom of the barrel in this family. Hallelujah. Well, I, I learned some things from the Word of God. And, you know, the Bible says, let him that's ignorant be ignorant. <laughs> now, I don't know if I remembered that verse at that moment. But, but I, knew, I knew this. I knew everything that I'm believing God's going to do is dependent on the word in my heart. And I've had people say, did you get mad? No. I just looked at him. I said, well, thank you. And I grabbed my wife's hand. I said, come on, Michelle, let's go do what God called us to do. 
And, and we started doing it, and, and we've been doing it ever since. Well, here, here's the point that I'm making. <laughs> there is no defeat when you make the word your source. No defeat. You can't lose. You, you're, you may face a challenge. You may face a battle. The Bible, the Bible says you have to stand, but I'm standing with this understanding. I'm standing in victory. I've already won. The, the victory's already mine. I'm enforcing my victory. Oh, glory to God. In uh, Ephesians 6, I'll be done in a few minutes. Hallelujah. There is, hallelujah. You know, you got to stick with the word. It's, it's not opinion. It's not uh, what somebody else thinks. I've talked to people about the word, and I, I would quote the scripture to them, you know, in counseling or something of that nature. And they would say, uh, well, here's my opinion of that verse. Wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That's not what we're talking about. This is what the Word says. One of the first rules of Bible interpretation is you take the Word of God literally wherever possible. Is that right? He said in His Word, you are more than a conqueror. I take that literally. That's that's a simple example. He said you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's not some spiritual aberration. I am righteous by His righteousness. That's how God sees me. Is that right? You are what, the God, what God says you are, literally. And so it's not my opinion. It's what does the Word say. This has to be my opinion. I was, I was counseling a couple one time, and they said, well, what's your opinion on this? I said, well, I don't know. Let's look. Let's find it. This is my opinion. That, that's got to be your opinion. Hallelujah. In Ephesians 6 and verse 14, Notice, he said, Paul said to the Ephesian church, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Having your loins girt about with truth. Having on the belt of truth. Now the word truth here is the same word that Jesus used in John 17, 17 when he said your word is truth. Rick Renner, Greek scholar, says this is a reference to the logos, the logos, the written word of God. Well, I believe it because Jesus said the word is truth. And here he said, have your loins girt about with truth. That means everything in your spiritual life hangs on the truth. Everything. What do you believe concerning the word of God? Is it true? Because, because that's what holds the breastplate together. That's what, that's what you hook your shield of faith on. That's what you hang the sword of the Spirit on. That everything is dependent upon the belt of truth. So in order to get any piece of this armor to fail, the enemy has to get to the Word. If he can get to the Word, he can cause the other pieces of armor to fail. I've had people say, well, what do you think about this? This guy's preaching this, and, and this guy's preaching that. And what do you think, Pastor? Give me your opinion. We're just going to stay with the Word. Just going to stay with the Word. Well, don't you have an opinion? Hmm, just going to stay with the Word. That, that, that's God's servant. Isn't that what the Bible says? I, I can say something's wrong, 
The doctrine's not right, but that's ultimately God's servant. If, if I start running them down, if I start bashing them, then I'm hurting myself. That, that's the truth. Oh, hallelujah. You just stay with the word. Remember what Paul told Timothy? He said, the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men that will be able to teach others also. That's not just believe whatever the pastor says, carte blanche, without looking at it. The Bible says that you're supposed to study to show yourself approved. Hilton Sutton would always say this. He would say, every Christian needs to have a working knowledge of the Word of God for themselves. Amen. What you hear here on a Sunday morning is a supplement to what you should be getting in your heart on a daily basis at home. Amen. Most people come to church twice or three times a week. Many of y'all more than that. But here's my point. Is even with that, if you come to church three times a week, you're hearing me preach about three hours or more in that time frame. <laughs> but here's, here's the point. Here's the point. But every day you need to be in the Word. I need to have a working knowledge of the Word of God. Paul came to the, to the city and he was ministering these truths of who we are in Christ. And it says that the Bereans heard him preach and they didn't just go, oh yeah, I received that. It says they searched the Scriptures diligently to, to find what he was saying. What Scriptures were they searching, by the way? The Old Testament. So everything that Paul preached that would eventually become New Testament canon could be found in the Old Testament. Oh, glory to God. But that's got to be your opinion. That, that is your, your truth. When someone says, would you believe that God will do this? It's, it's, it, that's not the issue. What do you believe? Paul stood up on the boat that was about to sink, and he had heard from God, and he said, look, this, you should have listened to me, and you shouldn't have loosed from Crete. He said, but even though you did and you wouldn't listen, he said, the angel of the Lord stood by me this night and said, fear not, Paul, I've given you all that sail with you and nothing will be lost but the lading of the ship and the cargo. Watch. Wherefore, sirs, I believe God. I believe God. You believe God. When you don't know what else to say, you say, I believe God. If, if nothing else makes sense, you believe God. If everything seems to be going south, you believe God. I believe God. Hallelujah. Mm. I decide if I have my belt on or not. I got to get up and put my belt on every day. Right? You go in your closet, your belt's hanging on a hook or over the, the garment bar or or whatever, hopefully it's not laying on the ground, but nonetheless, it's, it's somewhere. And I got to put it on every day. Amen. And, and you know, the thing, the thing about a belt is it's not seen a lot. Hallelujah. I was looking at, now, now I didn't buy it, and it doesn't matter if I did or not, but I, just for the sake of a story, I, I was looking at a Louis Vuitton belt one time. You know, hold your pants up. $240 for a belt. Now, if you got one on, praise God. But I thought, I just, I just, I just don't know. My, my, my coat stays buttoned most of the time. Y'all wouldn't know if I had Louis on or not. <laughs> and, and, you know, I don't preach without a jacket. So, now that's not wrong if you do, but 
That's like Louis Vuitton underwear. Who knows? Jesse said, Brother Jerry, where's Louis Vuitton underwear? I don't know about that. But <laughs> Hallelujah. Say, so what's that got to do with the message? Nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. But the, but the point is, is whether it's Louis Vuitton or Walmart special, you got to use it. You got to get up and put it on every day. Ever what you know of the word. If all you know is John 3.16, you got to let it come out of your mouth every day and put on the belt. Oh, hallelujah. Ephesians 6, 17, you're right there. This will be our last verse. He says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, this, this word translated here in English, word, it's, it's the Greek word rhema, R-H-E-M-A. And, and it literally means, and we know it means spoken word, but it means what one has said. It means an utterance or a command. And notice, he says that this is the sword of the Spirit. One is the Logos. One is that anchor. Everything I say is based on the belt of truth. Everything that comes out of my mouth, right? Every word that comes out of my mouth that's the sword of the Spirit is based on the belt. He said it's the sword of the Spirit or the sword that the Spirit wields. Hallelujah. And it's a word that means a razor sharp sword. The sharpest sword on the battlefield. Short sword, short combat sword for, for close places. It can be used very quickly. That's, what, that's why the word's got to be in your heart in that abundance. It comes out of your mouth quickly. When, when the disciples, remember the disciples in the boat? And, 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 and the water's coming over the boat. You know, sometimes we laugh at the disciples, but we weren't in that boat. I mean, that was life or death. And they went and woke Jesus up. And, and notice what Jesus didn't say. Oh, boys, why'd you let it get this far? You should have woke me up a long time ago. Man, what were you thinking? He woke up. Peace, be still. Is that right? Hush now. Go back to your reason for existence. How'd that come out so quick? Well, that was Jesus. Mm -hmm. He had the word, his heart full of the word. And when the circumstance, he encountered it. When he encountered the circumstance, he knew exactly what to say. The sharp two-edged sword came out of his mouth immediately. And then he looked at the disciples and he said, why are you so fearful? Where's your faith? And they said, what kind of man is this? And I learned from my pastor the kind of man they should have been. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. Glory. People will look at you when you believe God and they'll think, what kind of person is that? How'd they ever get there and believe that? Because you keep the word in your heart. Glory to God. The sword the Spirit uses is the word coming out of my mouth. And that, that, that sword is the sharpest on the battlefield and it cuts coming and going. Charles Caps used to say, you need to put the Word of God in your mouth, and you need to cut the devil long, lean, and often. Hallelujah. Isn't that true? If he just looks like he's going to open his mouth, cut him. Amen. 
If he just acts like he's going to spot, go cut him. Amen. I remember years ago, years ago, close to 30 years ago, I heard Brother Copeland say, he said, you put the word of God in your mouth, and when the enemy comes along, he said, just run that sword out there and tell the devil, get up here on this. And he said, and just cut him real good. Glory to God. That's the sword the Spirit uses. The written word holds my life together. Keeps my life anchored. The spoken word defeats the enemy every time. Every time it defeats the enemy. Every time. This is how it will be. This is how it will go. This is what's going to happen. Glory to God. If someone says, what are you expecting? Exactly what the word of God says to me. It's what I'm expecting. Isn't that what you're expecting? That's what I'm expecting. Oh, hallelujah. You know, when God speaks to you something, he, the Bible says that it's God that works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. What God has spoken to you, God intends to cause to come to pass. My job is to get in there and agree with God. Michelle ministered a series some time ago called Agree with God. My job is just to agree with God. I agree with him. I agree with God. I agree with what God's word said. Because the Bible tells us something. I, I heard somebody say some, something the other day. And, and, and it, just, it just leapt to my spirit. And, and I'm not being critical, but I heard him saying different things. The Lord spoke something to me concerning 2023. And uh, he, said, he said that a hunger for the word was going to increase. A hunger for the word. There has to be a desire for the word because we've we've seen this. We've we've seen we've seen entertainment. We we've seen this culture of you know people just coming to church and 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 kind of a I want to be nice, a, a kind of a drive-by sermon. You know, not, not too much there, just 20 quick minutes. And the results, the results can be seen in the lives of people because, because there's no anchor of the Word. People will come to our churches, and he, I hear this time and time again. Man, people have their Bibles and a notebook in your church. Is is that strange? Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm uh, sheltered. I'll, I'll have people come and say things to me. They'll go, I've never heard that before. Well, how long have you been saved? Oh, the last 25 years. And you never heard that? You know, to us, that's incredulous. Because we get that consistent diet of the word. But what's going to change the lives of people is the truth of the Word of God. Not just opinion. What does the Word of God say? Because the Word defeats the enemy every time, so don't believe the lie. If the enemy can't get the Word, you can't be defeated. Don't let him have it. 
Don't let him have it. Don't let him have the word. Guard the word. Guard the word. Guard your home. Keep the word going in your home. Play the word when you go to sleep. Play the word when you get up. The, the, Bible, the Bible, God instructed the children of Israel. He said, teach these things to your children. He said, teach them when you're lying down. Teach them when you're rising up. Teach them while you walk on, on the pathway. I'll have parents who'll say, how can I get the word into my children? I would use every opportunity I had. While we were driving down the road, graveyards were my favorite thing. Now, I know that sounds funny. Hallelujah. But we'd drive by a graveyard. And, and after a while, they knew it was coming. But, but I, I'd look over there and I'd say, wow, look at that graveyard. And they'd look, wow. I'd say, you know, the Bible says that one day the dead in Christ are going to rise. Hallelujah. they say, wow. i say, you know what the key to that? Be in Christ. Be saved. Be in Christ. And one day, that, that's a joyful thing. When we close our eyes in death, that's a joyful thing. Because one day we're, we're coming up again. And, and I would just use those opportunities. Even around Christmas time, now all of our kids get together, and you know we got adult kids and seven grandkids now, and and did I tell you I got another grandson on the way? Yeah, another another steel boy coming into the earth. So praise God. But but I'll use that opportunity, and and I'll always share the Christmas story. And you know my older kids can quote it, and then they know what's coming next. And I'll tell them Jesus is soon to return. Because you know our kids get married and. And, and, you know, hopefully they're marrying somebody that believes exactly, you know, close to what they believe, but some don't. But here's the thing. They'll say, Dad, always make sure that we get the salvation message in. I said, yes, sir, because this isn't about trees and gifts. It's about Jesus came to the earth to die to save us from our sins, to change our lives. Hallelujah. That's the importance of the Word of God. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads today, shall we? I believe God.